When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a very special Nick and Tom episode. We're going super retro in this one, guys. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh is sick. Ryan's got a uh, an event, so it is just it's just classic Nick and Tom, baby. Nick and Tom. So, Tom and Nick. Tom and Nick. The uh, the dangerous twosome. Um, before uh, before we add it before we add it uh, the the shit boy. And before we add it, do we ever give Ryan a nickname? No, not we yet. Should we should give him a nickname. So, give him more like nickname. Bud Terrorist, bro. <laughs> Bud Terrorist, bro. I can't wait for this season. I should have. Um, you know what we should do? We should buy some cheap tickets and give them away to our to our. To, to the eight guys who interact with us on Twitter. <laughs> Hell yeah. Be fun. So, or yeah. just buy tickets for them to go to the game with us, because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're a cool podcast, I think. Um, you've, been, uh, you've, been, you've been up to some shit. You finally got around to watching that Dave Steve documentary. What do you think? Yeah, I got through three-fourths of it, fell asleep in part four last night. But, yeah, I was thinking, you know, interesting guy never really never heard of him until that documentary well you brought him up months maybe a year ago or so and uh yeah it was really good dorktown uh john boys doc and uh i think you know he was he went to carbondale and then you know uh siu he was a saluki i thought that was cool i don't know how he didn't end up a cardinal you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because he's Midwestern guy. Yeah. You know, I I forget where he was from. Was he from Kansas? <clears throat> I forget. I, maybe I'm I just know. getting shit mixed up. Um, Either way, he ended up a Blue Jay for his whole career. So he's from. Um, he went to California, if I remember. California. And he, okay. And then he ended up in SIU Carbondale. And uh, as you remember that documentary, the the Blue Jay scout. That, uh, yeah, that he was an division. outfielder, and he's like, "Yeah, you need to just well, pitch." Well, he suckered a bunch of teams into not picking him, and uh, it was kind of interesting because he was like a he was a middle, I guess he was mid round. He was a fifth rounder, I think, and so he just like, "Yeah, this guy, this guy ain't shit." And then he turned around, he called his boss, like, "We gotta take, we gotta take this Dave Steve guy. We gotta take him, boss. Give me the money for it." Old Stevie. Stevie A. Um, I don't think he got a signing bonus at all either. He's I don't no, he yeah I don't know. I don't think he did. But then again, back in that day, Nick, guys, a lot of guys would sign major league contracts almost immediately, and that would be like their signing bonus. So he may yeah. have. 
He may have got his bag a little earlier, but you know. Um, the Steve yeah. talk, by the way, is going to segue into our main topic of the day. So, yeah, since uh, we don't have the whole crew, or at least three of the guys here, we're just going to skip a list. And also, like, we've been pretty good about putting like two episodes out a week. So, like, getting through all these lists and projections will be pretty pretty easy. But um, as Nick was saying, segueing, um, I'll help set you up here. Yeah, um, Dave Steeb, he had. How about this? Um, if Dave Steeb was arbitration eligible with the Cardinals, what do you think would have happened? The same thing that happened with the Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, a quick little history lesson, folks. Uh, this is why you should love Kurt Flood, um, because he sacrificed his whole career so to get rid of. Um, early wage slavery in MLB. Um, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, back in the day, way back, MLB had what's called a reserve clause, which is um, there was no free agency. So you got your contract or you got traded, that type of thing. Nuts. Um, pretty dumb. Pretty bad. Um, Kurt Flood comes around because the Cardinals traded him and Tim McCarver. Rest in peace, Tim McCarver. Rest in peace, um, Tim McCarver. Oh, before I do this, before I do this, look Tim Carver stuff real quick. Uh, McCarver, goddamn, I'm such an idiot. McCarver. Ah, Tim McCarver. McCarver. Um, you know, we all know him as the goofiest runner-up MVP uh, in MLB history. Um, so a little pen in the Kurt Flood thing was, was let's honor Tim McCarver with something interesting I saw. And um, Ryan's going to take over the Insta, and I may make him make a – a reel or something out of it, but uh, uh, Tim was traded to the Phillies. He eventually came back to the Cards, and then we flipped him to Boston. It's a whole thing. T- Tim McCarver loved being a St. Louis, and here's something interesting, folks. Um, he drew 119 intentional bases on balls, which is about 22% of the total walks he took in his entire career. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, it's a little bit funnier because I saw that number leap out, and he had – here, I'm going to scroll up to it. Um, four straight years where he was drawing double-digit intentional walks. I am going to do a deep dive in this because I'm confused why anyone would walk a catcher who could barely hit double-digit homers in his prime – as well as post like a 700 OPS, which I guess is like Bonds-esque for the 1960s and 70s. But the, the amount of intentional walks, where do you think that ranks all time, Nick, of all the baseball players to draw at least one intentional walk? Considering Barry Bonds' number, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's probably like McCarver and then long, long list, somebody else, and then so... long list, then Bonds. I don't know. His uh, 119 intentional walks ranks 95th all-time in Major League history. Top 100, okay. He's top 100 ahead of guys. He's tied with Victor Martinez. Um, The people ahead of him are Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, Mo Vaughn, Wade Boggs. (laughs) Bonds is one, right? Who's one? one. Okay. Yeah, and then Pools is second, and he's behind, like, Bonds more than doubled his intentional walk. No, God. So you look through, you see like power hitters or great hitters like Tony Gwynn 
and then eventually you mosey on down and you see fucking Tim McCarver, top 100 with 119 intentional walks. Just incredible. We'll miss you, Tim, man. But, um, okay, so Tim McCarver thing aside, we have Kurt Flood. Uh, he gets traded to the Phillies. Phillies are a dog shit team, as they always are. Um, and their fans are racist. And he doesn't want to pick up roots and move his whole family uh, to Philly. So he wants to be a free agent. And he challenges the reserve clause system, saying that, you know, he should have the right to decide who he, you know, will. I don't know if it's like sell your labor, but, you know, who, who he's going to offer his labor for. And he lost. And one of the guys who's going to be a main antagonist, I guess, or just a character in our 1982 series is Commissioner Bowie Coon, who is a owner stoolie through and through man. He also hated drugs. Um, so Kurt Flood loses that, plays for the Phillies, retires. Um, eventually, oh, fuck, it's either the 1981 uh, stoppage or... They also had a 50-day stoppage in the 70s where arbitration is finally created where the reserve clause is uh, done through. I think it's the 80, 81, um, uh, uh, 81 uh, stoppage is when it happens. But starting like in the 80s, you have arbitration. Um, it was a little bit different than like uh, in terms of measuring not only like arbitration levels but like free agency so, like, it used to be called, like, I don't know, do you remember this term? Like, free agency A and free agency B? Like That's kind of like that? arbitration A, B, and C, or 1, 2, and 3, you know, Yeah, now. so, um, free agency, like, that level, you were, if you were, like, I think, like, top 10, per, considered top 10%, you'd be free agent A, and if you're, like, top 22%, you'd be free agent B, and, and then everyone below that would uh, would be considered free agency they they wouldn't get the amenities or the compensation that you get for the first two tiers so you have that and that kind of dominated throughout the 80s and 90s um it shifts up in the 2000s and we now have like what's with the current cba which is you know um uh you're not arbitration eligible until after three years of mlb service time and there's a way to like fast track that sort of thing like if you're a runner-up to like Cy Young or MVP or you win it uh, you can uh, be fast track a year of MLB eligibility and there's also others like uh, Super 2s like Nolan Arenado was a Super 2 so you get like that bonus year of eligibility added on if you play if you play if you fulfilled less than three years of MLB service time but you fulfilled, I think, you're in the top 22% in terms of playing time for your position. So they'll fast-track you that way. Um, we Labor didn't really win like um, any major concessions in that field. With the latest CBA, we got like player minimums increase. We had like a cap on options. And we have like a player pool for guys who do well in their pre-arbitration years, which is, you know, it's good to have. But the the thing we're running into that we're I've been bored, so I've been researching the past few hours on it, is is arbitration theft. Because before we segue into the Cardinals uh, saga, that or I guess not a saga, it happens every season. You know, like Dave Steve won it like a like a bonus, and he was told he wasn't that good. 
by the Toronto Blue Jays front office. And Nick, was Dave Steve actually pretty good? Yeah. Every year through the 1980s, he was above, above average. So this is like a different time with Mr. Steve. You know, things are, success is measured like by wins and losses, um, ERA, uh, kind of like the, you know, metrics that are important, don't get me wrong, but they're kind of archaic compared now. We have like advanced analytics to kind of, I would say that bolster, bolster guys like Steve's case. So Steve's first three seasons uh, in the majors, you know, he posted a 31 and 33 record. So, you know, around a 500 pitcher with a three. Who cares? He played for a shitty Blue Jays team for like he eight seasons. Played. That's the big thing. He played for a god-awful uh, Blue Jays organization. And, you know, Blue Jays are, you know, they take him and they don't get good until 1983, which is like five years into his career. And they stiff him. Like, he wanted a $100,000 salary. They stiff him. He demands to be traded. But they don't have to abide by that. Uh, he So the thing with arbitration that we want you to know is you know what happens if uh, if our if a player refuses it? So the setup for arbitration is once you hit arbitration eligible years, you know you you're you're it's just a you know your first what seven years in the bigs. It's just you and the you in the front you and the organization that negotiate. You do not negotiate with anyone outside of it. So if um, you know, you become arbitration eligible. Let's say you have a good season and you go to front office and you begin negotiating. And let's say they want to pay you $10 million and you want to make $12 million and you guys can't come to agreement on that one. You will go to what's an arbitration hearing, which is, you know, three judges, umpires, whatever you want to call them. One provided by the Players Union, another by MLB's Labor Board, and then a third neutral party who will decide uh, what your salary will be. Now, here's kind of the kicker. Um, there is evidence that shows that this system currently uh, enabled works in terms of reaching settlements. But I am going to interject and say it works on behest of owners. What MLB has is not like a typical arbitration process. It's what's called final offer arbitration. So in the NHL, Nick, if you go to arbitration for your salary... And arbiter will dictate what is a fair amount for your salary between you and the teams, whether that's a middle amount or completely in your favor or more in the team's favor. In baseball, um, the teams go to the hearing and they submit, they file two separate numbers, you know, the team and the player, and then the arbiters have to decide which one which one wins in that case. Now, something to point out is that. If you look at what we're going to mainly set up to have like a, I guess a thirty-minute bitch fest on, is that <laughs> modern modern major leaguers? You'll notice that the gap between what the players submit and what the teams submit is really not that different or not that far apart. Honestly, I think that's a design it's, flaw with our. It is a weekend's worth of beer sales, is what it is. It is a weekend's worth. Of, I would agree. It is. It's, if not it's, a weekend, it's, it's a it, it's, it's, it's a mid owners. it's a midweek of beer sales at Bush Stadium. The amount of money between Helsley and what the Cardinals gave him, which brings us fucking to horse shit. 
Which brings us to Ryan Helsley. Um, this happens like every season. You know, we went to arbitration with Bader. We had Tyler O'Neill. I'm going to. I think I'll just write like an an article about like uh, like the like the first round nonsense I put together when it with the Jordan Walker piece. I think I'll like look at every single Cardinals arbitration case. But um, Ryan Helsley provided you know two two war by Fangraph standards. So about fifteen to sixteen million dollars in value. Um, he hit arbitration. Um, he filed for three million. The Cardinals undercut him by eight hundred fifty thousand dollars at two point one five million is what they submitted. And um, Helsley lost. Nineteen players went to arbitration. Actually, I think it was more than that. It was a lot. Um, I know. 19 players had it ruled and uh, went to arbitration that last check in USA Today, and only six of them won their hearings. Like, it's I'm fucked looking up. At them, yeah, I'm looking at them right now. I think it... No, sorry, it's not 19. 32 players. It so. was, it was <laughs> Henesis, Henesis Cabrera, Ryan Helsley, and one other guy, right, on the Cardinals? It was just two guys. It was Henesis just two? and Helsley. Yeah, yeah, 0 for 2. They couldn't give, they couldn't give Henesis, like... 100k or some shit yeah Yeah, whatever 200,000 um so like the way final offers work is that because the stakes are so high you know think of this as you know a guy's gonna rule between you know this three three judge council is gonna rule between one of these two numbers that's what the fuck you're getting uh either as a player or in the team's case that's what the fuck you're paying so there is incentive to negotiate so a lot of players will reach settlements that's a good thing. My bit, uh, I think this serves the behest of ownership groups, Nico, is because all the leverage still belongs to the owners, and so players won't submit for a higher value than what they're worth because the ownership will call bullshit on it, mainly because these salaries are already kind of kept at a premium, especially for pre-arbitration players. And one of the things that teams love to do whenever they go to these hearings is, A, Talk shit, even though you had a great year, in the, like in the case of Helsley. Fucking and, unbelievable. <laughs> and B, B, they like to point at current salary trends for players of that caliber or age or pre-arbitration status. So, hi, you know, let's say this. Um, let's say, um, uh, let's say Helsley was a starter in this case, and he dropped. He fucking was a Cy Young, top five Cy Young guy. He had like a six WAR. He was like Corbin Burns level, okay? And he oh, submits Corbin. for a figure. We're going to talk about it. I know you hate him. Uh, and he submits for a figure that's, let's say, I would say like fair. I mean, Jacob deGrom pulled like $35 million to pitch half a season. Max Scherzer's making $40-plus million. But let's say like Helsley was a starter here. He was lights out, and he submitted for like $24 million, okay? The team counters and says, okay, well, Compared to pre-arbitration levels, you know this isn't this isn't a, this is an uncommon outlier. So we're going to submit for five million. Now that has to go before this this council. Now because there is no, uh, you can't like create like a mediating effect. Like again with the NHL, an arbiter be like, you know, I think the twenty four million is high, but I think he's worth nineteen or twenty million. You can't do that. So now the council that they have provided will rule. Okay. The $24 million is bullshit. Um, we're going to probably decide with the team. We know that the 24 is too high, so we're going to go for that. Um, 
players don't really win, you know, the majority of arbitration hearings in Major League history. It is, you know, you would figure if it's something that is used as a, a, a you know, whether it's as a last resort or whether, or, you know, settle dispute. It's to keep teams out. It's to keep, it's to keep players and teams out of court. Let's just be honest. It's to avoid, like, it's avoid lawsuits. And because these are binding, so let's say Ryan Helsley didn't want to, you know, whether it's our hypothetical Ryan Helsley or real Ryan Helsley didn't want to play for that amount, he's fucked. He can't play organized, uh, organized baseball if he just doesn't show up. Either the cards trade him or he shows up and he has to play. He can't play anywhere else until he's got his MLB service time uh, and he hits free agency. Unless so, they're non-tendered, correct, which is the choice of the team. Well, non-tendered would mean that, uh, yeah, so that means they with uh, withdraw like a contract. And they become a free agent, like what happened to Cody Bellinger. Correct, yes. Now, um, I think it's a little bit different if arbitration processes are won. And I need to find if there's a compensation. I think, let's say, uh, you know, there's a refusal to play on that one, and then they end up non-tendering. They have to pay, I think, the prorated salary to the player, but they also get draft compensation for it. But I think for the most part, if you just, like, refuse to show, um, you just don't, you don't get shit. Um, you, you because you're still player. under contract, technically. So arbitration is a binding agreement. That's what the... Let, that's what MLBPA and MLB have. So arbitration is uh, stating that you can't negotiate your labor outside of this organization that has, you know, drafted you and, you know, raised you like a lot, like a little baby boy through all the years. So um, I get, you know, maybe I get why it's there. I mean, um, I, you know, I'm super pro player at the end of the day. Um, I think that arbitration just kind of serves as like a form of like wage theft. So I looked at all 2023 arbitration hearings. Uh, six guys won. The rest were owned by the teams. Um, the players that run, uh, won were Hunter Renfro, Luis Ringifo, uh, Jesus Luzardo, Harold Ramirez, Jason Adam, and Luis Arias. And I think that's six guys. Um, the worst, <laughs> the worst abuse of arbitration, or you know, having the most arbitration hearings, you'll never guess, Nick. It's the greatest, the greatest frugal organization in the world. Who do you think it is? Who had the most hearings? Orioles, right? Not the O's. They only had. Uh, they the only A's. had one. Of those. The A's. Not the, not the Athletics. Come on. All right, tell me. Uh, one last hint. They really hate gay people. The Rays. The Rays, yes. The Rays had seven hearings, um, all with, like, Yandy Diaz, who provided over $30 million in labor value. He uh, he lost his arbitration. He asked for $6.3 million, and those nickel and diamond motherfuckers got away with $5.5 million. Um, Jeffrey Springs, he, three, three fucking F4. No matter, Ray screwed him out of 800000 um, the only guys to win on it were Ramirez, as I mentioned, and Adam. Uh, I'm guaranteeing the more I look at this, the more we're going to find that the Tampa Bay Rays are some of the worst offenders when it comes to failing to reach agreements to pay players fairly. That's what I think. So, yeah. Um, Ryan Helsley had an interesting reaction. Um, do you remember what he said? Um, 
Well, some, I mean, he said a lot is similar to being like, you know, he, they brought kill, up the point. He said, I'm going to kill your yeah. dog, yeah. Mozilliac. I'm going to yeah, kill go your dog. It. Yeah. Um, he said he was disappointed. So, yeah. yeah like uh, the whole entire fair base. Yeah. So. And what the cards used against him was that, um, he, they, Question durability. Um, one of the things they brought up was that he, uh, uh, the amount of outings he didn't have, especially uh, st- stating they wanted him in more back-to-back, uh, uh, I guess, appearances. But Helsley was one of the league leaders in four-out saves, so he's pitching more than an inning in a lot of cases. Um, Helsley was, if we go by F4, he was the sixth-best reliever. And there's a lot of fucking relievers in baseball, right? At the very least, he was the sixth best relief pitcher in in baseball last season. Um, you could argue he was the top in some ways. I mean, but you can I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think Edwin Diaz like ran away with it. He had like an unreal year, but like I think like if you're if someone's rattling off the best relievers of 2022, they Ryan Helsley's on that short list. He's coming right off the top of the brain. They don't have to think long about him. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. It sucks. He says he's not mad. He doesn't hold it personal. But at the same time, he said he was kind of hurt by what they said about him. He said he was disappointed. Um, yeah, and get back to, to Burns. I hate him on the field, but, man, I feel bad for the dude, too, because, like, Oh, he got fucked. Fuck the Brewers, dude. Oh, my. Fucking poverty franchise with a mid-ass pitching uh, staff. I I hate them so much. (laughs) Like, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're trying. They do this mid-market shit, right? Where where, where they kind of do you know they play small ball in terms of finances they have to draft smart which is fine i honest to god think it's kind of bullshit i think every mlb team could support 125 to 150 million dollar payroll that's the trotsky out of me i guess but um you know the brewers dumped hunter renfro who went to arbitration with the angels um their their ace who won a cy young and pitched over 200 fucking innings last season, who provided them... Here, this will piss you off. Um, now, that, now, that I've de- now that you've developed a, a, an empathy bone for Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns was worth like 12 war the last two seasons. He provided over $90 million in value. And the Brewers' front office... Um, or they paid him, I think, what, like $16 million the last two seasons? They went to arbitration over $800,000 with him this season. He he lost. Burns uh, filed for um, uh, $10.75 million fucking dollars. He filed for less money than what Miles Michaelis makes, okay? Mm. And he lost. He's going to make $10 million and $10,000. The Brewers nickels and dimed him by 740,000 fucking bucks. <laughs> and they won. I don't an arbitration process. So it's the third guy. It's the neutral guy, right? Like how do you look at a guy, Cy Young winner, 
top five pitcher, arguably. And be like, mm. yeah, he's worth like a win and some change, you know? He's worth a fucking Chris Archer salary. He's Taiwan Walker salary. It's, it's, if arbitration had more player wins or maybe, and here's my thing, I think they should get rid of the final offer. Um, they should have, like, they should copy a lot of things the NHL has. Like, the NHL, um, for example, like, did you know this about their minor leagues, Nick? They have a, a, a set wage for minor leaguers that you make, like, fifty to 60000 That's your base. You have health care coverage. You have a pension. That's, that's the fucking NHL. The NHL also has an arbitration process where the arbiter rules fairly between both player and team. It's not one or the other. They could be like, "Hey, yeah, Corbin Burns, sum, uh, sum, uh, you know, him submitting for fifty million is too much, but this ten million, you know what? It's also far too little. I'm going to rule in favor of twenty-five million or thirty million for him. That is a better system." a way better ecosystem for uh, pre-free agent baseball players, I feel like. It's, I don't know, it's crazy. It's crazy. We're going to lose Helsley, aren't we? <laughs> well. <sighs> Is this where we start the rumor? Like, we started the rumor with, like, you know, well, not us, I guess, but, you know, the whole Jack Flurry doesn't want to be in L.A., but, you know, I feel like, I guess players don't take it personal. I guess they're all, you know, cut from the... You know, Jack Jack always goes to arbitration. He says out of principle, because Jack fucking rules, okay? But I mean, I I don't see how this doesn't bug you as a player. I you know what? The the woes from Helsley could be blamed uh on the coaching staff too, and the medical staff. So they try to say that, you know, he did this or that or whatever, and I think he was tied for first and four-out saves or multi-innings multi and stuff like that. Yeah. He didn't give up a run till like, fucking June or something, you know, or July. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. He didn't give up one run for the longest time. Yeah. I got a Twitter <laughs> argument underneath uh, a Derek Gould argument a guy point now that he didn't have that many saves and that ZRA was shit and you know the the fake season and another season where it was like mid fours and I'm like I don't okay we're talking about this season that's what his arbitrations come up for this season like we can do past seasons and he's still worth way more than two fucking million dollars please let us do past seasons there's plenty of examples of players getting dicked uh based on, like, dicked in general for, like, one year of production, but if we point at multiple years of production, let's, you know, baseball players in general, they're, you know, the, the our saga of talking about taking the DeWitt's money, it, we have to think long and hard about guys who really, really did nothing and took the and took that Arby's cash, you know? All right. They're Paul DeYoung. Yeah, everyone fucking else, <laughs> everyone fucking else, <laughs> is getting taken to the cleaners by the DeWitts. And it's by because, baseball It's because of the Paul DeYoung situation. It that he has, it I all swear, comes to PDJ. It, it, I swear he has tons to do with it because look what the fuck happened. He got that six-year extension or whatever yeah, after I'm, his I one decent season. 
he got the bag, and guess yeah. what? No one else got extended after that. Nick, this will upset you. All right, Paul DeYoung's bag ain't that big, and Paul DeYoung, the labor. It's still, he's it's still a bag. It's still a bag. <laughs> yeah, it's still eight million a year. it's still. They're buying out yeah. his ar- arbitration years, okay? But like, you know, to make fun of that dingus, like Paul DeYoung's provided, you know, a hundred million dollars in value since he's been a Cardinal, and he's made like fifteen million. Like he's also. A victim, goddammit. He's a victim of this of this system. Although, the way he's playing now as he accrues more negative war, uh, you know, it'll, it may balance out by the end of his contract. Who knows? Who knows? But I don't... I don't... But, like, I don't think it's, like, one... Like, are you saying, like, um, the way DeYoung sh- shaped up, like, the cards are uh, more greedy or penny-pinching in arbitration? Or you yeah, mean, I don't. I don't think so. When was the last time? Now, who was the last homegrown player to get an extension, though? Like that, nobody has. Everybody's been going through the, uh, year by year. Yeah, but you like, know what I mean. Well, I mean that's what they do, and they save more money that way. Is is the thing. I guess like the cards feel like they're bit. You know, they got bit in the ass because of DeYoung's woes, but they got they fucking. They got him for wage, uh, uh, wage uh, labor for, or slave labor for like the first three or four seasons of his career. You know, he had that near rookie of the year campaign. Yeah, off lock him in average. Lock him third, in. Yeah, he had like the thirty homer one. You're like, okay, you know, by that time they've gotten like eighty million in his value at that point. So now they're like, all right, we'll pay you this this horseshit. And I guess like in hindsight, I mean, I guess it's gonna work out because. I'm not sure how you personally feel. Um, I I don't have a lot of faith in Paulie bouncing back. From, like, <laughs> bouncing back. I mean, he's set to make $9 million this season, and then we have a club option after that. So I guess he'll be free, barring, you know, you know a, a major turnaround here. But um, his club option's like, what, uh, $12, 13000000 million or some shit? Like, it's getting declined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to get declined unless he literally... Uh, no, no. Li- literally it's getting declined anyway. Let him fucking yeah, walk, yeah. dude. Uh, yeah, I'm setting it up with, you know, anything is possible, right? Like, Paul DeYoung would have to slug his way into an all-star, a legit all-star appearance. Not even an alternate one. Like, he'd have to hit, like, that in order for us to uh, to keep this option. He'd have to make Tommy Edmond unemployed, is what we're saying, which yeah, Tom, is going to kind of be hard. Yeah, Tommy Edmond, uh, and even with Tommy Edmond, if he hit 200, he'd be better. Tommy Edmond would literally have to die. He would. Paul DeYoung would have to kill Tommy Edmond to get his job back, which I wouldn't put it by him. I mean, you know, he's like, hey, Tommy, you want to? Want to want to go want to go to someplace dark and spooky? Also, I have an alibi. Uh, my you know my wife, my mom's expecting me home for porridge. Uh, by the way, leave your cell phone at the at the clubhouse, okay? And <laughs> and write a note saying you were sad. We're gonna go down and talk by the river. <laughs> Pushes them in. Um. Anyway, I don't know. Arbitration sucks, man. It just. Oh. Pretty pretty shitty. Like, like. When's the new CBA? What's uh twenty twenty six after twenty twenty five season? 
Um, it has to come to a head then, right? Like, the minimum salary thing's a nice thing to get, like, but one of the other things that's important is, like, when you start your MLB service time, you get that sweet pension money. Like, it's not so much that, like, the 172 days is super important. I mean, it's really important, sorry, but another important one is, like, 43 days, because that's when you start, that's when they pay at least a quarter of that year's pension. So it's, like, what, like 10,000, or, you know, 10,000 bucks thrown into a pension fund for you. Um, it's hard. It's hard being a player, man. It's hard making your bank. You know how many, you know what percent of players have 10 year, uh, 10 years of service time last year? You know how many? I think like two, right? 10%. Two's low. Oh, I thought you were talking about. I thought it'd be like two, too, but 10% of the league had like 10 years of service time in it. And 90% of guys don't make it to 10 years. Like, they're, you know, I, what, what we, woe is them. We're, we're the podcast here, kvetching and whining about millionaire baseball players. That money's got to last them their whole life, man. Like, you got to have the health care. You got to pay for that. You know, you may get like, you know, you play like five years, make like $8 million. But I mean, I don't, I don't sound like an asshole, but you know, you know, you can stretch 8 million on a modest living, but like, you know, a modest living, like living like me. And I, I live like a fucking, I live, I live like Frank Reynolds, like, but without all that money, like, <laughs> I'm the trash man. I'm come on, Josh, let's play night crawlers. I'm hiding in the couch so I can catch Josh pounding off. Like no one should live like me. No one should live off a modest, a modest meager earn, uh, yearly earnings on that. Like they, they deserve to make that bag early. They deserve that. It's not. It's not fair. And I get it. Yeah, you know, I get like with baseball contracts, you don't really get compensated so much for like your past achievements. More so, what you know your future one's going to be. Like Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter should have been making that shit ton of money like after his second year in the bigs, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He should have gotten a huge contract. But fucking arbitration, man. He would have played up to it as really well too. He would have been worth every penny. Yeah, I don't know. This has been getting a little. I hope this has been educational. I hope we didn't get anything wrong. Um, I don't know. What else is going on, baseball wise? Uh, uh, pro, well, a professional athlete came out as gay. Anderson. Oh, who was it? Com- Anderson Comas for the White Sox. Anderson Co. It's only pulling Anderson Cooper. Are you fucking with me? Anderson C O M A S C O M A S. Let's see. White Sox prospect Anderson Comas comes out as gay. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Thank you. For Jeez. Listen, the we're not going to make gay jokes. We are a center. We are a center left podcast right now. We are the Colbert Report. I don't want to be. Com- <laughs> I don't want to be compared to to Friedland. <laughs> Why? Because you look like a bug. So you're, <laughs> you're a little fucking bug that eats dust. Is that what? You're... <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get the weekend on, or fucking, <laughs> we're gonna get a musician on, and the people. Matt are Healy. Real... Yeah, we're gonna get Matt Healy on, okay? Because you know we're we were come town sports, now we're the Adam Friedland Sports <laughs> Network. <laughs> And a bunch of 17-year-old girls are going to listen to our past episodes. Be really confused why we devoted an entire baseball episode to abortion rights, but still hate us and refer to you as a bug and refer to me as, I don't know, a warthog. An incel. (laughs) 
I'm the warthog, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ, Third minor leaguer in baseball history to come out as gay, Solomon Bates. Solomon Bates is a great gay name. And David Denson. Eh, let's see. Let's look at his little Instagram post. Is he good? That's all I give a shit about. Can he play ball? Let's see if this guy's good. Anderson Coma. I would love for a gay player to just fucking rake. Be just, just a, just a monster. That's when they I play want. the, whenever they play the Mets, and he has to face Brooks Raley and Brandon Nimmo. Dude, yeah, and he Ooh. fucking smokes a liner. Right into the fucking forehead of Brooks Raley. It says he's a minor leaguer. Is it saying he's in the White Sox system? He's a pro- yeah. He's White Sox. He hurt because he didn't he's have any socks. How old is he? Socks. I think he must have got hurt or something like that because he doesn't have any 2022 stats. So I hope he develops and gets some major league time. That you know, it's great representation. And yeah, him hitting like his first tater off of like fucking Brooks Raley. Would be would be so good, man. Would be so good. So, <laughs> um, yep. That's a banger tweet. I'm gonna tweet out right now. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Well, we all know you, you're, you know, your you, your disdain for certain players in the in the in Major League Baseball. Um, do you? I know you don't read it, but um, uh, Derek Gould had a good piece on Miles Michaelis that came out. He went fishing with him. I, I saw that article. I did not read it. It uh, Michael is, is as big of a fucking goomba as you imagine. He is a goofball. Um, he I think he's a he's he is a he reminds me of my uncle who does like either he, he's done like professional tournaments, but like in terms of bass fishing, and he can just like sense the water has fish, and then like there's like fo- he like Gould has like a photo of him pointing from the top of his massive boat, being like there's fish there. <laughs> You know, his his boat's named after a curveball. He calls it the Snapdragon. That's what it is. God. He took Gould fishing, and uh, it's a a decent write-up. Gould's really good about about stories like that. I really like it. He had a really good one on Flaherty um, with his relationship with his mom. Or actually, he did one mainly on Eileen Flaherty, really. And he had, like, a really good one on Adam Wainwright. Yeah. but again, I just wish the reporters, the journalists, would bring oh, this to attention. Andr- Anderson Comas guy's only twenty three years old. Yeah, he's young boy, but he's still in rookie ball. So that's yeah. Anyway, I wish these journalists uh, yeah, but, would yeah. be more pro player about this arbitration nonsense. They have to watch their asses. We've been through this. They yeah. have to cater to the hog feed of the ownership well, and also their bosses. The they athletic. have to stay neutral. They can't lose their jobs because oh, they, they wasted their neutral. fucking time in college going to journalism school. So, <laughs> where is it? The athletic memo. Defective. Jesus. I got to find this. So, yeah. So, this is why I feel bad for uh, Katie Wu. Uh, she writes for The Athletic. And in June last year, uh, Athletic got like a they got bought out by the New York Times. And they sent like an in, like an internal memo, a staff memo, uh, basically. I think it was like to not only to reporters but their editorial unit. Um, so they send it to like their you know people you know you know their opinion guys and their newsroom, um, saying that they won't you know keep the politics out of the sports so much. 
uh, watch, you know, what, how you portray your beliefs. And one, it was very confusing. And two, I think it kind of handcuffs, like, I don't know what Wu's intentions ever are. You know, she does a fine job. But, like, if she ever wanted to be like, yo, this smells like bullshit, let's do a story on it. Um, she may not have the backing of, like, her bosses. Like, it's like why press institutions, I think, are, like, incredibly important for, like, journalism like this, is that if they run something, and let's say Bill DeWitt wants to put a fucking slap suit against, like, a Katie <laughs> Wu or Derek Gould, they have the backing of their employers and their legal team to protect them, and at least the institutions, per se. And... I don't know. I don't know if it's like indicative, of like the erosion of that. I remember, like, uh, and this ain't even like a journalist, but like John Oliver, he got hit with that slap suit from like that fucking West Virginia coal baron, and it cost like a million dollars, like in legal fees, is what it did, and it got drug out for like two or three years, and you know, and as we mentioned before, the, the news spot, is already out there. People can yeah. screenshot and keep it forever. People can fucking repost that shit. Like, what's the point? Like, well, it's, if the if it's out there, it's out there. You know, I could copy the entire article and fucking post it myself. You know, yeah. and have people retweet it and see it. It's just like, I don't know. People are fucking sensitive little babies. They, when you think about like, so when they built the new stadium, they did it with a lot of private bonds and. You know, I guess to the card's credit, I mean, they did it with very little public subsidization. And we've kind of talked about, like, how that's that's allowed them to, like, insulate themselves, I think, from really having to adhere to public criticism. Because they kind of built their own stadium, even though, like, stadiums kind of really wear down a local economy, which is, you know... But, you know, people love the Cardinals, sacrifice willing to make, right? Um, so, I think... Think, I would love to have one of the journalists on to help us with this. Um, but I think that's kind of why, you know, there's the amount of pushback you'll see is like, you know, they, they really just kind of keep it to baseball, you know. like, Or if they do get acerbic, like Bernie Michaelis, you know, I know we've, I know we got. He's retired, and, right? He doesn't work for the Post Dispatch. He works for, you know. So he writes independently Danny Mac's company. Yeah, Danny Mac's thing. Uh, and so, so Bernie will be like, yeah, this is, this is horse shit. It's hogwash. It's hogwash right here. I'm Bernie Michaelis. I'm, I'm a, I'm just does a it, normal Southern Cajun man. I'm just a, I'm just, it, a, <laughs> I'm just, a, I'm just a simple Georgian lawyer. He's fucking, oh my God. Get him I, in the war room. have seen me on Matlock. Um, but I don't know. There, uh. it, you know. The, the organization, and I think my hypothesis with this is pretty founded. I wish, you know, more people would at least be, would scrutinize, I think, like, the organization beyond, like, they don't want to spend money for a damn ball players. They don't, they don't want to get starting pitching. And kind of extend it beyond, like, well, not only do they not want to do that, they don't want to pay guys fairly, they invest their monies in the regional sports networks that... We're doomed to fail from the start, so they're probably going to get be able to renegotiate their contracts for more money, or MLB will bail them out. Like they underpay uh, not only staff workers within the stadium, uh, they underpay their own personnel, they underpay their own baseball players. They 
They never let us under, uh, they never provide the material for us to understand their revenue and what they mean by like, you know, well, you know, we had to tighten our belt or no, we grew revenue. No, we have more profit. We can spend a little more, but we only increased just payroll by slight. Like we don't have any access. There's no transparency of that. And they, they do that, Nick one, because they're billionaires and they're obviously lying about how much money baseball fucking sucks in. And two, they didn't have to require the public to like put as much skin in the game, even though it's the public that still supports them and goes to their games. So I don't know. I just wish we had more scrutiny with that. I wish there was just more to, no one should like a billionaire, right? Even Steve Cohen, who's doing cool shit, you know, like just going over the luxury tax. He's still a piece of shit. Don't get me wrong. But like, he should be viewed with like any, like anything beyond it's cool. He's pissing off other MLB owners. That's all. I don't know. He can suck a cock still for all I care, but yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with Chris Christie. What a fucking jamoke. I saw that. That was, um, that's un- I mean, it's not, why would I say unfortunate? It's not uncommon. What is Steve Cohen's politics? Let's look it up. Steve Cohen politics. Um, he so- was. Democrat, I think, for a while. Yeah, he votes for the Democrats. So I was trying to think of an Italian joke. It says he's uh, he's uh, for for Bussolini for Bussolini. What is that? <laughs> What's that? Is that is that like is boy Bussolini? What is what? Are, what are you? That's Italians? my great. That's my great 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 what, uncle. What are you Italians up to? I had a funny uh, interaction with a customer. Um, uh, I told them. They're, they go to, like, some poor, shitty, like, rural college. But they play softball, so they got, like, a full ride. And, uh... So, like, SEMO. No, I'm kidding. No, even worse. I give, like, the exact location, but or exact college, but it feels like I'm doxing them to a degree. But, like, it's a shitty little... Co- like, they have nothing around. They have to drive, like, 20 minutes to go to a town. Right. Like, like, like the size... Like, half the size of SEMO, you know, or Cape. So, like, they just lays about, right? And, like... They don't have, like, that open access to diversity, you know. They don't get to, like, go out and hang. They don't get to eat Indian food, you know. And, you know, do the voice but still appreciate the culture, you know. That's the sacrifice you can make. <laughs> but, like, they, uh, like, I was telling them, like, listen, you know, there's all these isms out there. You should respect everyone except Italian people. Like, we're back we're back to OG. We're back to OG worst fans episodes. I'm like, you should be kind and considerate. To everyone you meet, until you have a report, except fucking Italians, man. <laughs> God, like in your little, in your fucking dorm room, in your tiny ass like college, just go up and go, "A mama to me, a bitty bitty and talk with your hands. Talk with your hands like you're being electrocuted in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, just shooting your hands everywhere. Just do, oh, a spaghetti, a meatball, you know. Watch the Sopranos and impersonate them. It's like I feel like it's a documentary. It's always a documentary. It's a family show. It is a family show. It's better than the fucking Simpsons. So, oh hey, <laughs> I had a I had a tweet I was gonna make, but thought it was really mean because you know the you know the Harry Potter game came out and up. It's annoyed. It's annoyed uh, everyone who hates J.K. Rowling like me, and uh, you know the fact that it's her you know IP. And she gets off by being horrible and shitty to trans people. Um, 
I uh, thought of a tweet to send about uh, you know some past relationships because I you know what I would say like the people that don't like uh like me maybe us but don't like me are like theater kids and like Nazis and I would probably throw like theater kids or you know middle aged women that still read Harry Potter uh, but I wanted to tweet uh, like if you have uh, like. Women who still read Harry Potter past 25 have the most mid-pussy in the world. And Yo, like, hot take like, That is a hot take. That's a hot take. And I was going to offset that and be a pussy little equivocator and be like, but to be fair, guys who form uh, podcasts also have a mid-dick game as well. <laughs> so, I'm um, over 30. I would, yeah. I would throw Harry Potter works, in that. Works I almost, for a conglomerate. I almost, yeah. <laughs> I almost want to throw in people that heavily share Simpsons memes, but I do find the Simpsons <laughs> endearing. But like, it's actually, a good no, show. I don't want to. I don't want. Well, it is a good show. I don't want to. I don't want it to be the Simpsons as your entire personality. As probably how I should put it. I, I don't like, know anybody like that though. You know, what I, I know mean? so many, and they are. They do. They do improv. They're like dry ass, and I don't mean dry mm, ass. Oh, homie! Hey, Marge! Oh, homie! What are you doing? Why'd you buy all these iron crosses? Oh, homie! <laughs> uh, I was listening to that little feminine cat boy, Nick Fuentes, Marge, and I think he makes some good points. I don't know, homie. It, uh, it might get us in trouble. Well, we're owned by Fox, so but um. <laughs> it's like improvs and like alt scene comics like just fucking simpsons jokes and memes after. i'm like homegrown simpsons stop. stuff guys stop with the simpsons thing you're gonna make me you're gonna make me hate it you stop you're it. making him nauseous it's, make him make it stop i get it it's funny just can you just can we expand our palette here can we just like work it i I get it. I guess they haven't been accused of sexual assault yet, so I, you know, I guess they're not Rick and Morty. I guess I can't say that, but like, uh, pretty, fucking pretty clean Dude. house, I guess. Yeah, you know what? Like, show I liked. You probably never seen this. It's called Terriers. Have you ever seen it? Nope. It was Have a not. crime comedy drama. It was so good. It was on FX. Only made it like a season and a half. It was so good, dude. Aww. So good. Had a banger of an intro song. Unfortunately, it took place in San Diego. That's what's in. Oh, hey! Terrible. Hey, as we you know, as we fill out the rest of this time, um, Manuel Machado. He had some Mangu news? Machado. Mangu. Man. Mangu Machado wants ten years, four hundred million, and the Padres right offered him five years and a hundred and five. Yeah. Oh, that's what they offered him. Yeah. Oh, for like his extension? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I can kind yeah. of see why. He, on top he of that. his other, uh, on top of the contract he has in place, I According think. According to USA's Bob Nightingale. Oh boy, we don't want to lead with that. Manny Machado, no. <laughs> Manny Machado, and the San Diego Padres are one hundred and forty-five million dollars apart in extension talks. He is reporting that the Padres' offer was five more years worth $105 million on top of his current five-year $150 million contract after 2023. What a fucking... What a dick. Like, he is going to start regret... How old is he? 30? 29, Nick, 30? just spent 40 minutes being pro player. 
Manny yeah, Machado. But listen, he's making ma- like think max contracts ten years, three hundred million. Like let's just you know, it's starting to turn into higher and higher and higher and higher. But I'm saying yeah. like when he signed, he signed fucking max contract, and he's you know he's provided pretty much his his worth. Yeah, um, the only team who's gonna give him more money are the fucking Mets. Like oh, that's that's it. Let me piece this that's together. That's it. He signed a ten-year contract, if I remember. Yeah, okay, worth three hundred and thirty million or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So what's coming up is a player option, and he's wanting to renegotiate that. So well, he's he opting wants, out. So okay, so he wants a brand new like ten-year, four hundred, four hundred million yeah, contract, which is stupid. Let me think. And it's just like Trey Turner's, fucking Xander Bogarts, all these guys who signed these 10, 11-year deals in this offseason are all going to be bad by year four or five. It's just going to be... Uh, no, Maybe. not everybody can be Paul Goldschmidt, you know what I mean? Get him MVP at 34. Like, uh, it's, you know, not everybody's that level of consistent and that level of good. Yeah. You know? The, be- now, they've been getting better as the years go on, yes, but I just don't... I just see all these contracts being sour as fuck. I that's you I know. No, like like when you think like we don't know what it's gonna be because that's what we're banking on. Like, well, I mean, I guess I'm gonna apply to young. I mean, owners can use that obviously like an arbitration to kind of rope everything back. You know, like we don't know how good he's gonna be, but like. You know, yeah, you don't know how a guy's going to age, if he's going to get hurt. Um, or better yet, actually think of this way, Nick. The way annual salaries are going. And this is probably why the Padres are fighting back on it. This is why I would argue like a well, Bryce Harper <laughs> well, a Bryce Harper and Trey Turner deal is actually a bargain for teams. It's because when you lock a guy up, even if it's for like 10 to 13 years, okay, and you have him set at like um, 25, 30, a little over 30 million, right? Like that 30 million for like a top tier player you would have paid is going to pale in comparison to what top players are getting by then, I would say. Like Bryce Harper, when he signed for, you know, his contract, I would say he lived up to way more the value of the contract. Already. Oh, yeah. yeah. Already. He's got a fucking MVP. Harper's great, awesome man. Awesome NLCS, man. I so love like, Bryce Harper. So, like, you kind of think that you over you you give like a big ass contract like that. What you're really paying is like that really really sweet spot of like four or five really good years, right? And that the rest yeah. of the stuff, yeah, you're a DH, here's some cookie, you know. Like yeah, the only some... player I can say that's like worth that is Mike Trout. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we'll but... we'll see what. Otani gets because apparently the Padres think they're going to sign Juan Soto to an extension <laughs> along with with Shohei Otani and whoever else the fuck they want to sign. But to be fair, yeah, I mean, baseball teams can really do that. They don't have a salary. Yeah, cap. they just have to no. fight the uh, the luxury tax. I really wish that someone like uh, Bill DeWitt would sign Juan Soto or Sho- Shohei Otani next off season. God, I just want like a two hundred million dollars salary. I mean, what's the What's the luxury tax threshold this season? Is it 240, 244? Something. Yeah. Like, we're not... Anyway. Um, Who are we I fucking? Know... Well, let me, let me, let me solidify oh, okay. this so we hit our yep, 60. Yep. I, know, oh, yes, yes, yes. I know you hate this comparison. But yes. Manny Machado 
has been maybe the best, one of the best third basemen in the game for the last, you know, five, six seasons. Since 2016, he is third behind Nolan and Jose Ramirez. Now, Jose go. Ramirez, you know, he signed a really team-friendly deal. Nolan is way, is worth way more. But, like, I, I would I would punt this to you. You know, if Nolan came up to the Cardinals right now to ask for a deal, or Jose Ramirez, you know, what are you giving them? Whatever the fuck they want. Okay. Is Manny Machado worthy of being in that discussion? Yeah, of okay. course. Manny's Manny's a good ball player. He's a cocksucking human being, but he's a good ball player. <laughs> All right? He's a shitty, dirty-ass fucking MAGA fucking player. After we right, celebrate he's, it, he's a shitter, Anderson but he's Kamal a good ball coming player. out as gay, you lead with, he's a cocksucker. Listen. <laughs> I'm preaching, and you know it. Uh, yeah, you're, you're on fire, <laughs> my guy. Like, yeah, yeah, Manny, I mean, he's, you know, throwing a bat at a guy. Look, I don't, people, I don't know. think he's worth 10 years at 400 million, no. He's what not you, no. Well, what would you sign him for? I would I would sign him for like six at two eighty. Six at one eighty, so thirty million. Two eighty. Two eighty. Okay, so it's not so much the AAV; it is just the years, right? Yeah, it's the years because, like, good go get as much bag as you want and need, uh-huh. but don't fucking it puts a team at jeopardy, like. Because other teams aren't going to pick him up, and then what? The team has to fucking pay him well, for thirty he gets, years because he gets fucking he gets a hundred million dollars deferred over twenty five years. Like, uh, what's his face? Well, I so, I baseball pitched this to you. Give like, him forty six million a year. Yeah, like give him forty six for six years. But like, think of it also as this though. Like, would he not? It would still kind of fuck the team though, because like. When you cross the luxury tax threshold, it's not just a one-time hit. If you do it multiple years, the you know the penalty or whatever the amount you pay into it goes up. So if you go over it, you know if you go over the luxury tax like over like three years in a row, and let's say you're Steve Cohen, the Steve Cohen tax, you hit two ninety three years in a row. I'm just not a fan of ten and eleven year deals at all. That's just what I'm saying. Yeah, but go, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. I still think they're kind of bargains. I mean, the risk is there, obviously, because they get old. Yes, but yes. But the motherfucker has, like, you know... Albert Joey, Pujols. Yeah, or Joey Votto-esque year, you know? Because Votto, Votto, I think, is kind of, like, the best, like, recent example where he had, like, not last season, but the season before where he had, like, that 36 home run outburst and a 900 OPS. Like, I think, guys... I think you can fu- you can stave off, like aging a lot better if you know based on just how you employ your guys and i'm starting to kind of think that those super contracts like that maybe yeah i would say an agreement like that amount of years or that amount of cash you know is is like a huge question mark i think you worry less about it with a pitcher considering that like these superstar mega like you know the 40 million dollar guys right nick are like Still really elite. They're just, you know, a little more fragile. So, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Maybe that actually steel mans the point that we shouldn't, you know, sign guys for 10 or 11 years. Anyway. Anyway. Who we, who we want to fuck tonight? 
Uh, any Fuck team who doesn't, yeah, any team who doesn't give their players the money they want. Fuck wage theft and fuck arbitration. Heard it. <laughs>